Brooks, and my name is Brad. I'm the lead pastor and one of the teaching pastors here. And man, is it good to be back indoors? Huh? Oh, 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 hold on. Things are falling down. It's all right. It's just a prop. You know, it's all good. That's happened to me a lot. Anyway, oh man, it's, it's exciting to be back indoors. And as much as we loved being outdoors, um, you know, and, and it was fun. Did you have a good time outdoors? Yeah. You know what I love? And here's, you know, we did something a little bit different this year being outdoors. We didn't know how it would pull off, but I love everybody's hearts. And for some of you, you know, it was like, it was like you know, this isn't normal what we normally do, but you understood that what we were doing is trying to reach the next generation. And it was so cool just to be out there and have fun and watch kids worship, and you worship with kids and families, and it was just a, a really cool time. So, But it is good to be back indoors, and uh, we were just talking as a staff today and, and all the tech teams and things like that. It's just, it's, there's this new excitement to be back indoors, so thank you so much for joining us. And today, we start a brand new series called Summer Essentials, hence the shirt, Okay. And there has been a lot of comments, some not so good, about the shirt. But that doesn't matter. I'm wearing it proud because this is some of the summer essentials. I love ice cream, okay? And, uh, yeah. And when I was growing up, um, one of my favorite memories of, of summer, one of the summer essentials for me was homemade ice cream. And I would go over to my uncle's house, and he had one of these old ice cream makers. It was actually made out of wood, and we'd have to soak it so that the, the wood would swell so it wouldn't leak everywhere, you know? Anybody tracking with me? Some of you have no idea. It was all plastic, wasn't it? Okay. And, and so we would put ice in it, and then you'd put the salt in around the ice to make it kind of melt, and I would eat the ice because it, oh, it, was, it was amazing. And this was not one of those, you know, non-manly kind of ice cream makers. We had to crank that thing. Of course, you know, as I'm little, you know, I want to crank, and I can't even do it. And, and, you know, it takes, so we took shifts, and we're cranking this ice cream, and it was amazing. I loved my uncle's homemade ice cream. It was one of the essentials for summer for me, you know. And and so now I think later on, for me, I I love grilling. That's a lie. I don't like grilling. I like eating things that other people grill, okay. And so... People are coming actually over today. They're going to grill. I'm going to eat. It's going to be amazing. But for me, one of the main essential things, especially when I was growing up, was water skiing. Summer meant that I got to spend a lot of time up on Sylvan Lake, and I grew up on the lake, man, and I would ski. This is my, my O'Brien team competition ski that I skied with, you know, for all those years, and right now it actually just hangs in my garage as a memento because if I would get on this, I would not be walking for I don't know how long, but... It was one of my summer essentials. I loved to water ski. I'd do everything I possibly could to get up the lake and do as much of it as I possibly could. It was just great times. I love the summer. What are your essentials? Barb's, you know, um, she, when, when you hear that obnoxious song of the ice cream truck, I don't know what it is, but she just goes crazy, yeah? It's fudgies, right? You know, the, the, anybody know what a fudgie is? See, we're so old, <laughs> I'm telling you. <ya. laughs> You, got, you just have to look it up. But what are some of your summer essentials? What's essential? What do you have to do this summer? Yeah, let's shout it out. What, somebody. Anything. Swimming? Oh, yeah. Love to swim. What else? Any others? The zoo. The zoo is summer. I didn't, wouldn't have thought of that one. What? Dodgeball. What? what? I can't hear, so it's okay. Oh, that's awesome. To be outside nature and seeing, oh, that's cool, and, and just being connecting with God. We all have these things about summer that is, to us, is, oh, we can't wait for this. And I'll just be honest with you, uh, I could not wait for this summer because it was a rough winter for me, you know? I struggled this winter, and I don't know if 
if it was just me being sensitive or what this year, but it just seemed like there was no sun whatsoever. You know, it was just gray and cold. And, that, and for those of you who, who, who like snow and that, you know, God bless you. We'll pray for you. But um, I just look forward to summer. And so as I, as I was thinking about this whole thing is, is I actually was kind of in a mood all winter long just waiting for summer to happen, and then spring came, and I'm thinking, okay, it's, it's about here, and, and spring, you know, in Indiana, again, rain all the time, and, and I honestly was not in a very good place. I actually got to a point that, I don't know if you know this or not, but, but Bruce actually used to have a, this light on his desk in the middle of winter that he, he, we called it his happy light. Gave him vitamin D and things, you know, and we'd make fun of him, but I almost thought about borrowing Bruce's happy light for this winter just to get through it. It was just one of those, those times for me, and, and, and it was stressful and, and what have you. And I started realizing more than ever that, that my attitude and, and kind of the things that were surrounding me, I, my circumstances really, really played into how I was feeling, how I was dealing with people, how I, my spiritual life even, you know? And I attribute some of that to, you know, Jordan is, is all about this touchy feelings kind of things, you know, and, and actually had us read this book about how's your soul. You know, if you're on the online campus, you probably read that. And he had us go through as a staff, and I'm starting to get in touch with all these kind of feelings or something, I guess. I don't know what it, like, it just annoys the ever living out of me. But, but we re, and when we start joking and we start asking each other, you know, how's your soul? And I started realizing, man, my outside circumstances really had a lot to do with that. It really played into how I was, I was feeling and how I, I, I was treating other people and, and how I was reacting to, to difficult situations and things. And I thought, man, there's got to be a better way. And, and, and so we want to talk about the summer essentials today. And today I want to start off with talking about peace and joy. Because I think we've got to get to a place where we can, we can settle in with this peace and this joy no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what is happening around us, whatever is going on, whether it's cloudy or rainy or, or, or things are just falling apart in life. And how do we get back to that place of rest, and that place of, of joy, inner joy, and, and this peace? Because it's so easy to get bogged down, especially in the world that we are living in today. And so when I started thinking about joy, the very first thing I thought about was Paul in the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles or your U versions, you want to get to Philippians, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 today, look at a few verses there, just kind of walk through it, it'll be on the screen also. But I just want to look at a couple of passages here, and I want to give you a little bit of background first of all, and here is Paul, and we talk about Paul a lot, but he's writing to one of the very first churches that he had planted in Macedonia. And as Paul is writing this, this book, he is actually chained to a guard. And here is Paul who has been in prison He's been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He has been stoned. They've left him for dead I don't know how many times. And even now, he is chained to a guard in a prison once again. And he does what everybody would do. He writes a book about joy. You know? How in the world does he get there? How in the world does he actually do that? He has been through it all. But yet, he looks at these people that he is responsible for, and he says, I, what I want to impart on you is how to be joyful how to have this peace of what God is doing in your lives no matter what you are going through. And so in this book, 19 times he talks about rejoicing. 12 times he talks about remember back about, about what God has done. Just If you're in a place, go back and look what God has done and just remember and reflect upon those times. Over 10 times he talks about, about how important it is about what we are thinking about, what we are putting into our minds. And he encourages these people. He is sitting in a prison chained to a guard, knowing that he could be headed any time. 
and he pins these words in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he goes on and says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about these things is what Paul is saying. He's saying saturate your minds with the good things. Think about what all God has done. Think about these things that are true and pure and, 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 and build people up. It's so important for us to, to, to get into our minds what God has in store for us and what he has also done for us. You know, a few weeks back, I, I, I challenged you for the gratitude journal, which none of you did. It's okay, I understand, you know. And it's one of those things, I think, that it, it's so hard for us for some reason. And, and just thinking about all the things that God has done and, and keeping track of, of all the things that, that we have things to be thankful for. And in our culture, in our society, I think it's hard to do that for some reason. It's just not natural, is it? And so we've got to start putting into our minds all these kind of things. And Paul goes on in verse 9. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. I think that is so powerful. We've got to put these things into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. And Paul is saying, look at my example. No matter what I've been through, and it's so often for me, I know, it's I can start throwing this little pity party for me with what's going on around me and, and, and people being upset and, and circumstances are, are bad and I'm just not... And, and Paul is saying, look at me, because through all these circumstances, all these tough things I've been through, there's this peace and this joy. I understand what God is doing, and I'm okay with all of that. And he says, use me as an, exa- an example. Set your mind on these kind of things, and God will be there. The God of peace will be there. And here's what he says in, in Romans chapter 12, just kind of confirming this whole thing, because you hear Paul talking about these things about our minds all the time. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He's talking to us about changing the way we look at things, changing our mindset, changing what we're putting into all of this stuff. And he says that there's this pattern of this world, and we recognize that more than ever. You know, 24-7, we have at our fingertips all the things that is wrong, all the ranting and raving of the people around us. And we look at these things, and and it's so easy to get sucked in and drawn in because we're bombarded with negativity. When's the last time you've opened up anything and, and, and saw some kind of positive story? It just doesn't happen very often, does it? And it's because those things doesn't sell. It's like It's almost like they're bombarding this because they know that this is what we're just kind of, we get all worked up about. And I think we just have to be very careful and and that renewing of our mind is is what we're choosing to dwell on. What we're choosing to actually have to deal with in in, in all of our lives. And I just think that we have got to learn to think differently. We need to learn to to look at things and and be able to filter out some of those the things that are bombarding us, what culture is bombarding, bombarding us with. 
And I think Paul knew that that was going to happen. It happened to him. And he knew that we would get to a point that we'd be disappointed and, and we start questioning everything that's around us. And yet he says, you, you just got to be careful and, and, and somehow find a way to rely on God and get, get through it that way. See, there's always these constant reminders that you're not good enough, that things are a mess and it's not going to get any better. Look at, look at what's happening over here that's so terrible. And, and we can get depressed about it. You know, someone is out to get you. Someone's out to take something from you. And Paul is saying, you know, watch what we're putting into our minds, what we're doing. Our life may be not exactly where we want it, but God is there and God is faithful and he will continue to build us up. And some of us get to a point and you look around and you say, man, I don't even recognize this world we're in. And we had the conversation just this week in staff, how did, how did we get here? We actually did a series about how did we get here, and we're still talking about how in the world did we get to the place that we are in. And Paul, at the end of this letter, says again, finally, my final words to this church, my final words of encouragement, if you want peace and joy in your life, you want peace, you want joy, if you want the essentials of peace and joy this year, change your mindset. Change what you're putting in. Change what you're thinking about. Change what your priorities are. Change about, about what is consuming you in your daily lives. And it's one of those things that I've just had to check myself. What am I listening? What are the voices I'm listening to? Who am I listening to more than even what Scripture is telling me, what God is telling me? Is what I'm listening to true? Is it admirable? Is it worthy? Is this something that God would want me to put into my life? Is it excellent or praiseworthy? And I just want to get honest with you guys for a little bit. This is something that I have really been, <laughs> I don't even know how to put it. I've been struggling with it. There's some things happening around us that just keep me up at night at times. And there's been times that, that, I've almost lost hope. And I've looked and I said, is this all there is? Is, is? is this where the world is going? Is this what is happening around me? And I get sucked in. <laughs> and I, it just, it, it, it can be this spiral if I'm not careful. And the thing that's bothering me the most is, is all the hate and, and, and the division I see around. The, the best word I, can, I, can, I came up with is the vitriol that is, is out there. And I don't use that word lightly, and, and as we were having a conversation, Jordan and I were having a conversation this week, I, I said, I want to use that word because I looked it up, and, and, and it says it, it's cruel and bitter criticism, bitterly harsh and caustic language. And I look around today, and, and I see it everywhere. And here's the thing is, is I expect to see it out in the world. I expect it to, to see it in people who, who don't follow Jesus. But where it's showing up today is in the church. In the big C church, guys, it's showing up in us. And I'm struggling with it. I follow a lot of blogs and different articles and things, and, and, and I read it, and I read them, and, and, and there's stuff that I don't 
necessarily agree with everything that the person's, but then I go down to the comments, comments, and I read what Christians, people who have set their lives on Jesus, are calling each other and saying to each other. And I'm thinking, how does that happen? And it's everywhere on every subject, on sermons that people are preaching. No matter what it, I don't care what it is. People are just, not people, Christians are destroying each other over minute little things. And some of them aren't minute. I get it. We need to have some of those discussions. But how we have those discussions are crucial and important. The latest one, and, and, and you've all known this, is, is you know, last week ago Friday, the Supreme Court hands down their decision on, on abortion. And I've just been shocked and sick about what I've seen happen to us, even, in this whole thing. <laughs> and it would have been so much easier for me, because I'm a non-confrontation guy, man. If I can get out of confrontation, I am all about it, you know? I like, yeah, you preach, huh? It's one of those things, that, and here we are, and we're faced with this, and, and, and I would have loved just to kind of ignore the whole thing, but you know, I'm one of the lucky ones who, I was a, going into my freshman year of high school in 1973 when the first decision came down from the Supreme Court. Thank God we didn't have social media back then and or our phones. You know, it was in the papers, it was in churches, you name it, you know. All, so I've seen both ends of this whole thing, okay? And even what I say today may divide some of us and some of you might decide, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go packing. I'm, I'm out. And what I don't say today may send some of you packing also. See, there's, there's, there's no win here for us. And I want you to understand, sitting in this room today, watching online today, there are people here on both sides of this issue. For some of you, that may surprise you. But it's just the truth. And I believe it's my calling and my job as a pastor to point you in one direction. And that's to Jesus. Because the voices of culture, the voices of media, the voices of social media are raging and they want you to rage with them. They want you to pick a side. They want you to get as mad as they are. And some of you, <laughs> some of us would want me to take a stand right now, and, I, and honestly, I get that. But I would rather invite you into a conversation. I would rather invite you into a conversation, a healthy, Christ-centered, in-relationship, so that we can love each other and so that we can have these conversations and I can see where you're coming from and you can see where I'm coming from and we can, we can talk it out and maybe pray about it. But that's hard. It's much easier. <laughs> it's much easier just ranting and raving. And see, we get the opportunity to wrestle with these difficult things and, and maybe see someone's other side of some kind of opinion. And maybe we walk away and we still have differences of opinions. But we do it in a healthy, Christ-centered in relationship. And I don't care whether it's a Supreme Court thing, it may be an LGBTQ plus thing, it may be racism, it may, whatever it is, can we have Christ-centered, in-relationship conversations with each other? 
We've lost the ability to do that. And I want you to know myself and, and I hope leading this church is we are not going to take a cultural stand and we're not going to take a political stand. What we're going to do is we're going to take a biblical stand. And we're not going to align ourselves with an organization. We're not going to align ourselves with an ideology. We're not going to align ourselves with some kind of party. We're going to do everything we can to align ourselves with what Jesus says in Scripture. What God would have us to align our lives as we follow Jesus in a passionate, loving, Christ-centered way. I heard a pastor, Barb and I went to a conference a couple months ago, and this pastor was talking. I actually played it for the staff just this last week. And he said, you know what? We're going to take a stand. We're going to take a stand on the empty tomb. That's what we're going to do. And I thought, that is so refreshing. We're going to take a stand on the resurrected Jesus. We're going to take a stand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to take a stand that everyone <laughs> needs Jesus for eternity. And we're going to passionately pursue that. And during this whole thing, in the mess that it is, and we have these conversations, as hard as they may be, we're going to end up somewhere in the messy middle. But we're going to have these relationships based in love and a heart of reconciliation, not of division. That's what the church is made of. That is a unity that Jesus prayed for before he died because he knew this kind of stuff would end the church, and the church is still the hope of the world. That's who we are. The resurrected Jesus, the empty tomb. So today, if you are here and you're celebrating the Supreme Court decision, we are so glad that you are here. And if you are here today and you are mad and you are angry because of what happened a couple weeks ago or a week ago, we are so glad that you are here. Can we just civilly have a conversation? And I think that's exactly what Paul says here, and he exhorts us in this passage today. Let's go back to verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Listen to this, verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. What has your response been? If someone went back to what you posted on social media this last week or so, would they say, oh, their gentleness is evident? The conversations that you've had, I don't care which side you're on, are the conversations that you've had, is your gentleness evident? Let your gentleness be evident to all. And if you can't say that your post and your conversations have been gentle to everyone, then I highly recommend that you have some more conversations. Or maybe you go back and scrub some of the things that you may have said. I think this is where we've got to get to. Let's have the conversations in the right heart and the right way. He goes on and says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. I had to ask myself, how much prayer 
and petition has gone into my response, not only to this, but to everything that's happening in the world today. How much prayer and petition has been there? With thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can we all just take a breath? Can we all pray for the unity that Jesus so much wanted us to have as followers of Jesus? Can we enter into the healthy, relationship-based conversations? With everything that's happening around us, the chaos, the confusion, the hate, the division, the anxiety, the fear, let's go back to what Paul says where we started today. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What are you thinking about today? <clears throat> what have you been thinking about the past week, and what have you been filling your minds with? And I think the first thing we've got to ask ourselves, is it true? And for us, the basis of that is going back to the Word of God, to Scripture, to the Bible. Let's go back there and start there. Is it noble, courageous? <laughs> is it filled with integrity, moral, pure? Is it whole? Is it not contaminated? Lovely and admirable. Is it deserving of respect and reverence? Is it inspiring? And then I love this, excellent and praiseworthy. Is it approved and admired by God himself? That's the basis that we've got to go back to. That's where we've got to start. And if we do that, I think we can enter into some of these conversations and come out on the other side and not look like the world. We ought to be setting the stage as the church, as followers of Jesus, of how this happens in conversation, in love and reconciliation? Can we make steps to do exactly that? It's been a tough few years, hasn't it? But I believe God is near, and I believe that he is starting something, and I think that's one reason why the enemy is trying to divide the very thing that God set up, the church, to reach the world. And we need to get back to that. And I want you to know your staff and your leadership is going to do everything we can to lead the way in that. Let me pray for us. Father, you know how much I didn't even want to talk about this today. But I pray, Father, that you will allow us just to, no matter what side we are on, just to have loving conversations. Would you take the pain and the hurt and the rage and the anger away from us and can we just get back to seeing what you would have to say to us? God, I pray for unity. I pray for unity in the, in the big C church, but God, I'll be honest with you, I pray more for just us. I pray that it starts a movement here.
that you will see us become more unified, passionate about pursuing a relationship with you. So, Father, give us grace. Help us to have grace for others and help us to love each other no matter how much we disagree with each other. We pray for unity, God. We give you all the praise and all the glory for it. It's in the powerful, amazing name of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus that we pray. Amen.